I want to welcome you to the Prospero's Sunday meeting. The Prospero's newest trustee, Calvin Harris, is a mentor and a counselor for the Prospero's. He is an American life coach and writer as well. In fact, he is the guy behind the website called Site of Contact, all one word, .net. Um, Calvin is the host behind these month, monthly Prospero's Sunday meeting conversations. The aim of these conversations is to have one gain insights that may be important to you. That happens only through interviews with interesting and provocative people. Featured this week is Dr. Mara Pinnell, HW, with your host, Calvin Harris, HWM. Now here's Calvin. Welcome, Calvin. Aloha. Well, I'm pleased to be here with everyone today. Uh, we've had a few technical difficulties this morning, <laughs> and we're still working those out. So um, uh, thank you, Ben, uh, and for the uh, introduction. Uh, it's a little bit different than what we have, but uh, we will be talking about our uh, advanced mentors um, uh, workshop, but in a different way than than what has been um, talked about in the past. The work the workshop has many uh, offshoots and uh, directions and goals that it tries to help the students with when they're going through that process. And one of the uh, modalities that it works in is that of writing. I believe Heather had mentioned something earlier uh, about how much is missed in uh, our daily lives or as our lives move forward. And what is missed uh, is captured within your journal writing. But there is so much that goes on with that. And um, I don't want to take up too much time without my guests being here so that we can really get uh, to that. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring Mara on. Mara? Here we are. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> well, you look nice and summery today. I, Thank you. It's 87 degrees here. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, John was mentioning something about weather earlier. So um, uh, he living in Colorado, where we're just give it 10 minutes and it can change. So <laughs> oh, yeah. it's it's good to have all uh, all of you with us today. Mara uh, would like to uh, talk a little bit of from your viewpoint about what the uh, Advanced Mentors Workshop has been for you. And then we'll segue into the writing portion. Okay. Um, first of all, I have been 
prior to rejoining the Prosperos and, and obtaining my high watch degree, I have been uh, a minister of religious science prior to that and also a practitioner of religious science for a long time. So I've had a great deal of experience in counseling people, spiritually counseling them. Um, and I was trained uh, with extensive training to do that. And coming into the Advanced Mentors Workshop has given me another level of, of training uh, that I did not know if I anticipated before I joined. Um, because one of the things that I'm very much aware of is that my perspective um, in counseling has changed just a little bit. Uh, one of the things that I want to be was a teacher as a counselor, but I have discovered uh, really through our classes uh, that, that asking questions and listening to the answers uh, takes it to another level than I had not fully discovered, even though I was doing very successful counseling with people, um, taking it to the next level and really listening to belief systems that were taking place because here's the here's the thing people are often afraid to go to a spiritual counselor because they don't want to uh, expose themselves to to their deeds or their past or their experiences but I really for the most part forget all the stories afterwards because I'm not listening to the story I am listening and I'm listening very deeply, but I'm listening to what their underlying conversation is telling me about how they, how they are viewing the world. What is their perspective? And um, I, can't even, I can't even pinpoint when I think about it specifically what it is that I've learned, but there has been an absolute shift in the way that I work uh, my client will tell you that they, they know that too, um, as far as, because I have some people that I've worked with for years and um, it, it has been uh, progressively uh, a delight to take in all of the things that we have looked at because our topics are different every month. And, and each of these things that we've looked at have been building blocks to bring us to an awareness of what's really necessary in working with somebody else. Um, and, you know, we're not, we're not there to tell anybody what to do. We're there to help take somebody by the hand. They're going to do all the work, but we're taking them by the hand as we walk through uh, whatever they're going through and help them to make those discoveries that change their consciousness. And that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, with that, uh, the first year we went into some really uh, heavy duty looking at ourselves. Oh, there, yeah. uh, the books and the, uh, the uh, um, workshop materials were all geared uh, for that. And it, sometimes it had gotten riotous. <laughs> Over, <laughs> over some of this material. But it was, uh, but then this brings us to 
another factor. And that is when you're working on yourself, the incredible thing that um, journaling does. And I was thinking the other day about this. And so uh, what, uh, and then I decided I better write that down because I'm going to forget it. (laughs) So I want you to think of writing as a reminder of your goals, your hopes, dreams, and a glimpse into what you are learning in life. It holds that place where you can have a deliberate, thoughtful conversation with yourself. So um, what had occurred was a um, segment of our class that was dealing with writing and journaling. And um, when we were doing that, it seemed as though that individuals weren't quite connecting with what was necessary to go on to go on with their writing, or really to uh, play, because instead of work, I like the word play, and to allow them to play with what they were learning. Also, a big concept that I like to use, and that is the word puzzle, that we get things and we get puzzle pieces, but they don't always come at the same time. And sometimes some of the pieces don't appear to to match. And other times there are pieces that, that are really pieces to something else. So um, I went back into um, my work with uh, writing, having had worked at the, uh, a newspaper in Orange County, California, and, uh, and being part of a writing group in that newspaper brought out one of the texts that we used. And then we started using it in the group. From that, it, it had evolved into then writing a book so that there was pressure on that this writing had to get done. <laughs> One it thing, had to be good. <laughs> it had to be good. <laughs> so it was all of the, no pressure, <laughs> but that it was a, a, a challenge for the individual to come up, to, to step up come higher and at the same time a step to to say what is it that you know that you don't think you know and let's get that out so how uh uh tell me about uh the group and your involvement in in that subset within the workshop of the uh writers group well i can tell you that as we started together um, with, with the writing, uh, most everything we were writing were short essays and slowly, and part of it was due to that system of self-discovery, we turned our attention to storytelling. And so, um, there was a very, uh, I would say a tremendous shift in what our writing was 
and how it turned out and uh, and the stories that we told. I, I do want to I do want to insert here that when when our book is published and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but when that's published and it won't be very long before it is. Um, I want you to know that many of the stories that are written have large pieces of fiction intertwined and they're not necessarily our direct stories. Uh, and some of them are. <laughs> <laughs> you need to guess which ones are which. <laughs> because, because sometimes real life is more interesting than any fiction you can make up. But we started this group and what it's turned into, I mean, Alex just jumped on here and he's one of the group. Um, what it's turned into is an incredible uh, celebration, I would say, of group dynamics. We make decisions easily. We come together easily. Uh, we're able to talk to each other about our writing and about each other's writing and make suggestions. And, and um, the biggest thing that I think has come out of this group, besides the improvement in our writing, which has been significant, is that uh, we have all taken a deeper dive internally into our own consciousness to take a look at what's been in there. And the group dynamics of that have, have turned into the fact that we've all ended up doing a huge number of translations in RHSs <laughs> because, because as we go into our own consciousness, we're like, oh, look, I got an issue there. <laughs> and I need to do something about that. And so um, uh, this has been a real growth for all of us. And because we're comfortable and trust each other, um, it's easy to share. We do share the things that we've done and we talk about them. And um, uh, the cohesiveness of the group is, is something that I'm really happy about because um, I've been in other groups where there, the, you know, there wasn't quite that level of trust, but I think that we all trust each other to a very high degree and know that we all have each other's backs. There's, there's nobody that's, uh, you know, out to create chaos or to uh, to um, step on anybody, and there's we're we're not showing up with with egos in this thing. And while Calvin has asked me to to serve as as the group leader, I'm not in charge. <laughs> I just kind of say this is this is what we have to do this week. What do you guys want to do? What do you think about this? So let's all write our stuff and we'll have a topic and we'll talk about it and and we'll talk about the things that are uh, a problem for us or things that, that have been breakthroughs because we've all had tremendous breakthroughs uh, in our personal awareness and in our writing. And so um Man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn backwards and step out of this at any place, just saying that. Um, and uh, there have been pieces of this that I think have been painful as well. But, but pain is a part of growth. It's, you know, it's like when you buy a plant and you, you take it out of the little pot it comes in, you have to break those roots before you, you put them into the ground. And that's kind of what we've done. We outgrew our old pots and we're all into bigger places, but we had to break up those roots as we stepped into them. Um, and I think that everyone else in this group would, um, would resonate with, with the uh, 
idea I just used as far as where we've come and where we've gone. Uh, it's been a wonderful journey. Um, how has this um, writing uh, experience that, that you as a group been different uh, as far as your experiences with writing before? In, you, in the type of writing that you've done before? Well, my experience of writing has been technical writing in the past. I was never, I, I mean, I've done a few essays and things like that through college, but um, I took a class in technical writing. I've written workbooks. I've, I've done that kind of thing. But when you start uh, sharing stories, storytelling is a whole different world from technical writing. It's, um, and it's not just the ability, I mean, you have to have the ability to tell the story because the story in of itself can fall flat if it's not told properly, or if there's pieces missing. The hardest thing is the fact that whenever you tell a story, you know all the facts in your head and you think that everybody else <laughs> knows those and those pieces are missing. And somebody comes back and goes, uh, where's this piece? <laughs> Which is why having other people read our stuff and getting input from each other and, and through that, I think has helped tremendously um, in our clarity, because that's what's really improved so much is our clarity of writing. Um, you know, I, I can tell a story, but it's different because you're watching people's reactions. You don't get to see how they're reacting to what you put on the printed page. Mm -hmm. So um, that's been quite a little journey. And I'm still learning. I can promise you that. <laughs> we all are. But, 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 but the degree that we've moved forward with this has been, I think, phenomenal <laughs> from where we came, right? <laughs> <laughs> the... Um idea of the Prosperos is a school that uses storytelling as a means to convey something to someone. Uh, what would you say uh, is the importance of that, say, maybe in um, relationship to being visceral? Well, because when you tell your story, people go, yeah, that's my story too, it, it, on some level. And so uh, as a teacher, storytelling helps people connect to you. They recognize the aspects of themselves in your story, even if it's not exact. But, but they're like, oh, oh, I can resonate with that. And maybe that's somebody that I can work with. Maybe that's somebody that I can talk to. Uh, and I think that that goes a long way towards um, introducing people to who you are and how you think. How, how does that story uh, uh, unwind, right? How does it unfurl in front of you? And uh, what are the moving pieces? And I think that, that that makes people feel more comfortable talking to you when they relate to this that you tell. 
Yeah, yeah. The difference from, say, an essayist to a storyteller, what are some of the challenges that, that you see <laughs> with that? And <laughs> well, I really think that the first challenge of that, and I think this is true for all of us, was uh, opening ourselves up to being seen. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, because, because the biggest part of it was that um, well, if you're writing about a word, it's really easy to do that intellectually, but but to get into the heart of your uh, emotional awareness and to get into the heart of what's really in your consciousness uh, makes you feel, I mean, I can tell you uh, when, the, when I first started doing that, um, I would have been more comfortable sitting here naked <laughs> <laughs> because, because um, I think everyone to some degree uh, hides pieces of what what they see in their own consciousness. They're they're afraid to to open up and be that um, open with who they are and with how they think and and with what they've done. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's a piece of it too. You you uh, you have to get comfortable with with everything about who you are in order to open up that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important when you when you when you're looking at this because one that says that you have to trust yourself. Oh yeah. With with revealing this information to yourself. The other thing then is to trust the group. So trust is very important in moving uh, ahead. And that was one of the things when the workshop started is that that I had suggested that this workshop may be taking you to some places that that may be difficult and that I would need a hell yes or a hell no. And uh, and uh, have you seen the, this sort of thing take place then? Oh, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> I mean, and basically, I said, uh, "In for a penny, in for a pound," because mm-hmm. um, because I knew that I knew stepping into that because I've been through not dissimilar training uh, that if you don't step into it wholeheartedly willing to really look at yourself because that is very key knowing who you are and you change at various places in your life it's not a bad idea to go back and take another look at any point in time but going through that you're going to come to an awareness in your own consciousness about who you are and um, I, I use this this term loosely your own personal prejudices and I don't mean that in terms of sexuality or race or anything else but we all, have our favorite ideas. <laughs> and so in the process of looking at that, the biggest thing that that when we reach a place where we're doing uh, mentoring or counseling with someone is no one coming to you wants to feel as though they're being judged. And so you have to know where those personal prejudices lie and either eliminate them which by the way, translation RHS is great for, or um, be able to move and, and step beyond them um, because they're a smaller part of you. And as you grow and as your consciousness expands, some of that is naturally left behind. 
But um, yeah, it, that's part of the process because it's all about growth. But you have to grow to work with other people. Yeah. So the the whole dynamic is that we had individuals that came in and they said, well, I'd like to either be a, a counselor or a teacher. <laughs> and it's looking at these, these concepts and going, well, uh, do you have the tools and the skills to do that? So many times people will have the idea that they want to do something, but do they have really the skills and the tools to do that? Or are there skills and tools up to date? So um, would you want to speak on, on this perhaps? I think the process of counseling across the board, I don't care if it's, if it's spiritual counseling, psychological counseling, I think all of that has changed. I don't think it was, I mean, you don't go in and lay down on the animal's couch very much and, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, just, just throw up your entire life, right? It, it doesn't really work that way. Um, in my spiritual counseling over the last 20 years, when, when I got my ministerial degree, um, what I found was primarily, and interestingly enough, people would come to me with the same uh, problems or situations or consciousness that I at least once had, and maybe <laughs> had little bits and pieces of, and so it would always be right there in your face. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just Hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> None of that was going on. It was, it was more of, of, um, uh, when I came out, I suddenly had a million people showing up to me because they were coming out. So, so your own stuff seems to attract people, uh, going through the same thing and you can use your own experiences to help hold their hand through whatever they're going through and say, yes, my experience wasn't exactly like that, but, but it, some of it was, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but I'm here to hold your hand as you walk through it. Um, yeah. And I think that's powerful. Yeah, I think that's I, powerful to work with somebody who has a clue. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the situation is that we can only help individuals escape to the point that we have. That's and this true. and this is and if you don't know what's in your unconscious and if you're not practicing, uh, looking at, uh, examining, researching and moving forward, uh, then <laughs> just to say, well, I'm set in this and I know what's going on. Well, uh, <laughs> the world is moving faster than what we think. And we need well, to be yeah. able to adjust, and, uh, weave and bob and do whatever is necessary to, to move forward. Um, you're uh, in the... Uh, near past uh, worked a lot with youth so oh, yes. so with what you're learning uh, and have uncovered at this point do you think that you might ha have handled or would handle that a little bit differently going forward hmm. uh, maybe a little bit um, working with youth has always been one of my greatest uh, joys and I can tell you that that the way that I worked with them and the way that I handled them changed yearly. Uh, 
mm-hmm. because kids coming in were different every year. And, and the first thing that I had to get rid of 100% was any judgment about how they showed up mm-hmm. because the way they dressed, tattoos, their hair, I mean, whether it was long or short or purple or brown or whatever, <laughs> um, changed from day to day, especially um, the thing that I had to totally, because um, I'm a grammar Nazi. And so when I would listen to kids speak, I had to set that aside because their way of speaking based on the, not that they didn't know what the proper English language was, but their way of speaking and slang that they used was going to be what it was. And if Mm -hmm. I showed up in judgment to that, uh, the deal was out. There was no deal because they could not relate to me. And I needed to be able to relate to them, not the way that I wanted them to be, but the way they showed up. And I think that was uh, a prime way. Um, It, the, uh, when I started working with youth, that was 30 years ago, and and the youth are, are it's a whole different species today mm-hmm. today than it was 30 years ago. And I can see, looking back, I can see the trail taking them to where they are right now. Mm-hmm. And I get to look back, because I know some of the kids I worked with 30 years ago as adults now. And mm-hmm. I, I look at them, and I'm just, uh, I'm in love with who they turned out to be. Because, um, because going through all the, all the, the hell of being a teenager is all, we can probably all remember our own personal hell going through cheers. Um, they, they got to the other side of that. And now they're, they're functioning people, um, partly because they, they learned to think and they learned to examine their own consciousness as part of that. And I, I hope that I had something to do with that. Yeah. It's so interesting working with young people and then working with how they emotionally think something should take place and then uh, working with them as far as what are the uh, tools such as who, what, where, when, why, and how. When you're doing strategic thinking, in having them re-examine their feelings and where you're bringing together the, the, the mental and the emotional and, you, and the, having them work with both of those. Oh, yeah. That is really the, uh, an interesting challenge too. Teaching them strategic thinking and critical thinking has been one of the major pieces of what I've done. Um, I'll quickly tell a story. I had a girl who was, she showed up one Sunday so upset. Oh my God, the world was coming apart. This girl had said something about her and it wasn't true and all of that. And and she was, you know, spouting off to everybody in our youth group. And I said, well, what's she doing right now? She said, well, she's probably at home. It's Sunday morning. I said, okay. I think she's maybe eating breakfast or maybe she slept in. Yeah. She said, and I said, what do you think she's thinking about this morning? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're here and you're still upset with what happened two weeks ago. Do you <laughs> think that that this, I, she, and by the way, she was, her intention, she was going to punish her. She was punishing her by shunning her and, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I said, do you think that that has any effect on her? 
What do you think she's, do you think that she's upset that you're upset at her? I mean, if she meant you harm on purpose, I don't think she cares. And if she does care, she's going to try to make amends with this at some point in time. But what do you think is going on? And she just sat there with her mouth open going, oh my God, I never thought that. (laughs) So, so how long do you want to, how do you long do you want to keep doing this? How long are you going to torture yourself with the thoughts of what happened and how it should have been and how it didn't happen the way that you wanted it to unfold? So, um, yeah, I think that's a huge piece of, of what's really important in working with kids is teaching them to think it through because she hadn't thought it through. And, mm-hmm. and she was the one that was suffering. She, she certainly wasn't making the other girls suffer. That was <laughs> And what's, 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 what's interesting about that is that we can all be triggered and we go through that, but it's catching that and being able to catch it and then to rework it because yes, we see it a lot more within the youth, but then it's a lesson for ourselves when we're looking at this kind of thing as going. So I, I, this is one that I'm, I'm constantly working on myself. So I get it. I know it. <laughs> no, I think I think we probably all do. How yeah. dare you say that? I mean, I'm just going to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we might say, well, you might want to translate or RHS that in some individuals. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Except it's true. And I, I think most of us in the Prosperos, even if somebody's as it does, and we're shocked by it. <laughs> Recognize the truth in it, at least eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. So would you say these processes have really kind of guided in individuals into using uh, translation in RHS or oh, can that, it be a yeah. means to do that? I can tell you that, that, that for most of us, Nearly every story and even essay that we've written has required a translation or RHS <laughs> because we uncover belief systems we didn't know we had until they spilled out on paper. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with it. That's why I've I've been a propon- proponent of journaling for a long time. Mm-hmm. But then when you start storytelling and you start coming from that, one of the things that you find is your storytelling you start to see or your judgments of other people are specifically mm-hmm. also some of the judgments about yourself um, they spill out onto the paper and you go oh my god <laughs> i think i need to do an re just <laughs> mm-hmm. because because you we're we're all carrying stuff all the time that we don't know we're carrying until something happens that allows us to put it under a magnifying glass which is what this writing workshop has done for all of us yeah without a doubt absolutely so it is one of the things of that we have tools we have skills and we want to um as Zane was always saying about uh, working with the tools uh translation in rhs that then we look for the unpredictable good. But if we're not looking for the unpredictable good and how we can then utilize that, then, <laughs> then it's like um, 
it stays in heaven. Uh, I love Gurdjieff's um, comment of as above, so below. So there, there, there needs to be a change and a change that will come through. Sometimes we're not aware of the changes and other times we are, but we need to know that. How, how would you speak to that? Well, I think that, that there is unpredictable good available to us nonstop. And I say that because I've experienced it myself so many times. Um, and we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And until we're willing to set down our judgments and personal prejudices and our way of viewing the world in our current state, we can't open ourselves up to the next level of what can come through, which is what the unpredictable good is. And I love that word because you can't predict it. No way you can sit down and let me outline how this is going to happen <laughs> because, because it never shows up the way you think it is. I mean, I mean, 100%, it's never showing up the way that I thought it might look. Um, even in times when I've, and, and I haven't done this in years, but even in times that I would sit down and, um, funny thing about cars, I know Thane has a story about, about doing a treasure map of a car. <laughs> and and unfortunately it showed up <laughs> because you know it was missing the wheel well i sat down i was working with kids because i was trying to get them this was a group the youth group that i was working with i was trying them to think about I, I wasn't really looking for the things that they wanted but i wanted the qualities uh, yes. and the attributes they were searching for and so um sat down and I was sitting with a little boy and I said, well, what is it that you want more than anything? He goes, I want to live in a house. I don't like our apartment. It's dangerous where we live. And I said, well, draw a house then and, and try to add all of the qualities. Is it pretty? Is it, you know, but I mean, however that shows up, make it a piece of art. You're not trying to draw the house you're going to move into because yes. God knows you know, you know, a five-year-old doesn't want to live in the house he draws. So <laughs> while he's doing that, I'm messing around and I drive, I draw a convertible and Sandy and I are, are sitting in the convertible and I drew a pink convertible and we're stick figures, right? So it wasn't meant to be. So two days later, my brother calls me and he goes, this is crazy. But my best friend who was his store neighbor, he said, he said his daughter has a convertible and she he's going to buy her a Porsche Boxster for her graduate for her college wow. law school graduation. She's been driving this all the way through school. It's four years old. And I know you used to have a convertible a long time ago. Are you? And I'm like, strangely, I am. <laughs> and I went and looked at it and it was it looked like it just come off the showroom floor. She had taken excellent care of it. I bought the, and drove that car for years. But what I did the next Sunday was I, I as soon as I got to, to the Sunday school area, I went and got that kid and I said, I have to show you something. And I pulled him out because he had seen the picture that I had drawn. And I said, I want to show you my new car. And his jaw hit the floor of the parking lot. <laughs> And I, and I said, people have told you 
And your mother has told you, you can't afford to live in a house. And I don't believe that. I believe that there is a house that has all the qualities that you're looking for out there. A month later, they moved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it, it was about expanding his consciousness. But exactly. I also expanded my own in the, in the whole process of it because I wasn't really looking at the car. <laughs> <and> <laughs> The, the situation is, and I think this is the, the key that we do with translation or even when we're trying to plan something out, is that we're looking for the qualities. We're not looking for the uh, for this specific model or the no. this. No, we need to see the abstract understanding of what that is that is under and back of that. And, and the yeah, clear... And the clearer that we get with that, then the more that when it shows up, we, we can recognize it. Okay. No, uh, we, we say, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is there uh, any closing uh, remark that you'd like to make before I opened it up to the, uh, to the audience? Uh, let me look at my really fast and see if there's anything. Um, can I, can I share the title? Yes. Our book? Okay. So uh, our title for this book is Unpredictably Good. Because <laughs> our writing is unpredictably good. This is the title that we came up with as a group. And uh, that process was a lot of fun as well. I want to thank everyone for uh, being here. Uh, and for your comments and for the encouragement for these uh, uh, end of the month conversations <laughs> with uh, both uh, Prospero's and Unprospero's students that we have that people that are showing interest in where we are and them having an opportunity to to voice where they are and where they might be able to get help through us. And then with that, and we will say aloha for today.